Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Prime Come on to the rock show. Come on to the people's show. Come on to the premiere show. Smackdown. It's the 13th of April in the year of our Lord 2000. Westlife's Fool Again, uh, love the hair, shame of the song, is number one in the charts. Erin Brocknovich, who sounds like someone who would send in an email to the Cold Tolic Wrestling Podcast Aaron. just to hear me try to pronounce it. <laughs> Aaron Brockovich, you mean? Aaron Brockovich. Aaron Brockovich. Just no, think, think of just, just think of, of Brock Lesnar bringing out a sandwich. <laughs> Aaron Brock sandwich. Yes, you're right, Tom. That really helped. Aaron Brockogie there in the charts in the UK. All the cool kids were playing Star Wars Episode One Racer. And I was one of those cool kids. God, I love that game. So much better than the film. On the 12th of February, BBC One aired When Changing Rooms Met Ground Force, <laughs> a crossover edition of its two popular designer makeover shows, Changing Rooms and Ground Force, the biggest crossover until Avengers Endgame. <laughs> Sarah Cox has taken was. over. It certainly was. Sarah Cox has taken over as presenter of the Radio One Breakfast Show. And Chris Bird stepped in as replacement fighter with 10 days' notice to fight Vitaly Klitschko and ended up shockingly beating him for the WBO heavyweight title. Uh, Vitaly would get slightly better after this. <laughs> if you don't take my word for it, uh, sod you, because that's all boxing. <laughs> that's all boxing and TV and film and video games and Star Wars, all this weird stuff that only weirdos will talk about. The real questions and the real source of you listening to this fantastic podcast is what is happening in the world of WWF. And don't worry, you've clicked on the right podcast. We're going to be talking about this on the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown Review podcast. I know, it's shocking, isn't it? And even more shocking, it's presented by Matthew, the voice you're listening to now, and Mr. Tom Campbell. But the best bit is... We've got the right week this time. <laughs> we had a right palaver last week, didn't we, friend? We did, special guest Tom Campbell. We certainly did. And it was all down to me. I take full credit and responsibility for somehow having my amazing system, which has been foolproof until now, uh, it proof that I was a fool. By I picked this episode, as I thought was the episode of SmackDown after WrestleMania. Uh, of course, it wasn't. It was last week. But you know that because we re-recorded it. 
<laughs> on the sister podcast of this, the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review, myself and Justin were, were, were in awe of this. And we're amazed that we haven't fallen into the same trap after 85 weeks. We haven't had that happen yet. But I'm going to touch wood now, just in case. Because chances are it's now going to happen the following week, isn't it? But hey, look, these things happen. Nobody would have noticed it. I would have used my powers of editing and we would have got around it. But you were very honest about wanting to say, hey, we all got it wrong. But anyway, enough on that. Enough on that. How does this week treat you, Matthew? I, we've, we've spoken off air, so we, I know what's wrong. But do you want to share what's wrong? Oh, absolutely, yes. I would <laughs> love to share what's wrong. I, I somehow eaten something which disagreed with me. Just like uh, Felix Leitner in uh, License to Kill. Uh, I had something to eat. I don't know what it was, but it's doing a number on me. It certainly wasn't a Erin Brocknovich sandwich, but whatever it was, it won't leave my system. I've uh, It's been going out of both ends, so the good news is I'm losing weight. Because <laughs> you can really afford to lose some pounds, mate. You've got no weight to lose. Oh, uh, you're right. <laughs> I have, to, I have to go eat more of these things. <laughs> You'll find it again. In fact, send oh, them my God. way. That'd be great. Oh, yeah, I'll trade you. I'll trade you a... a <laughs> I don't mind. Leave that alone. But yeah, I'm doing fine. It's simply food poisoning. Um, I'm at the level of ill now where if I had to go into work, I could. Uh, Saturday, I was not able to stand up straight. I looked like the L-shaped Tetris block. <laughs> John? But, uh, yeah. No... <laughs> Leave that with John. <laughs> John, can you Photoshop a pooing, vomiting Tetris shave? I'll just say, just Matthew has a Tetris shave, <laughs> without the poo and the without Lord. the poo and the other. But poo. that's just me, and I am. And sometimes I'm happy when I'm ill because it gives me something to complain about. How are you, Tom? <laughs> All good in the hood here. Um, we're fine. At time of recording, cat sleep on the on the bed behind me, having a lovely little sleep there. Um, lovely sunny day across the northeast of England as we continue in this bizarre timeline that we are living in. I'm trying to think of anything exciting has happened in the past seven days, and nothing springs to mind outside of Talk and Shop Mania, which was a phenomenal watch. I'm hoping you've taken time to see it yet. Have you not seen it yet, sir? No, I saw the gifts and things, and it. I'm sure it looks great and everything. I'm not that huge a fan of the being the elite, like wacky low budget stuff. And to be honest with you, I'm getting to get to a point where you're full of wrestling. So <laughs> I've seen the gifts. People have said what it is. I'm sure it's good. Good for them. Good for the good brothers. Uh, yeah, great. I'm not watching it because I can't be bothered. But that's on me. Lots of people can be bothered. It's a good show. Uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Addison on the Cultaholic podcast last week, if you haven't heard it already. They were good fun. It was great to chat to them. I had a lovely time chatting to the Good Brothers. They were good fun. How were they with you? They were brilliant. They were they like, my God, it's Tom Campbell. Quick, quick, Luke, <laughs> Luke. He's on the air and he's like, where? <laughs> they were great fun. So if you haven't heard it yet, you can listen back to it on the podcast feed. But look, let's crack on because I know that Matthew, as he has said, is a pooing L-shaped Tetris block. And I'm very keen for you to get back into a horizontal-shaped Tetris pooing block. Uh, So let's go through this episode of SmackDown. Now, before we get to the nitty and indeed the gritty of this week's episode of SmackDown, 
on UPN. Uh, I've just got a few no- bits of news and notes for this particular week in professional wrestling uh, to give you a little, a little flavour of what's happening uh, in the world of the grabs. Uh, the Bischoff-Russo era has begun in earnest on Monday Nitro. Uh, the New Blood versus Millionaires Club storyline has got underway. Uh, the entire show, this comes from the Wrestling Observer, the entire show consisted of big stars being beaten up and left laying at the hands of wrestlers in the past they wouldn't have even intermingled with. Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair uh, being the particular focus of the show. And uh, seeing guys like Billy Kidman and Shane Douglas getting a lot of shine on this particular episode. But the real talking point from this episode of Nitro, as well as all these young guys getting one over on the old boys, as well as WCW vacating all their championships, to congratulations to Vacant, who became a triple crown champion overnight. Uh, but the story of Mike Awesome's history-making week uh, is the headline in the Wrestling Observer. So let me paint the, the, the picture for you of what happened here. It was on April the 10th, Monday Nitro, that Mike Awesome made a surprise appearance uh, attacking Kevin Nash. Now, the story behind this is quite a complicated and fun one. There had been some rumblings that Mike Awesome was going to jump ship and join WCW as he had no-showed uh, an ECW appearance over the weekend. <clears throat> it was known as well that... <clears throat> excuse me. It was, no, shown, it was known as well that Mike Awesome was owed money by Paul Heyman and he was keen to either get that right or to go to another company, to be a part of somewhere else. And Bischoff, via Horace Hogan, uh, had been in conversation with WCW and with Mike Awesome. And an agreement was was uh, met between Mike Awesome and Eric Bischoff. Now, this was a very under-the-counter type affair. So it was going to be a big surprise to the industry that Mike Awesome was coming to WCW. Mike Awesome had claimed that he was working under a verbal agreement with ECW so he could go where he wanted. So signed him up, got ready to join. Paul Heyman had heard rumblings that Awesome was going to show up on Nitro on Monday, April the 10th. And it was on that day that Paul Heyman kicked up an almighty SH1T storm uh, by sending copies of Mike Awesome's contract with ECW, not just to Eric Bischoff, not just to WCW, but to Turner offices, to Ted Turner himself, any fax machine that was connected to Turner. They got a copy of Mike Awesome's ECW contract that day. Uh, Eventually, a compromise was met between the two parties. Mike Awesome could join WCW, but he would have to show up later that week week to an ECW event to drop the ECW championship that he was still holding, by the way. Um, Also, but as an agreement to appear on WCW television, uh, Mike Awesome wouldn't speak and WCW would promote his ECW title defense in Indiana later that week. Neither of those happened. Mike Awesome turned up, powerbomb Kevin Nash, said some stuff on the mic. Uh, We had Scott Hudson vaguely say, doesn't he have a title defense or something somewhere? And that was the only reference that we got to it. We will pick up this particular story when it concludes next week. But your memories of the Mike Awesome WCW debacle, Matthew. I mean, first of all, the period of WCW that we're getting into now is some of the most fascinating to read about and to watch now. I'm just going, God, look at it. 
It's like one of these failed film adaptations, like David Lynch's Dune. You go, it's not good, but you can't look away either. I learned about this betrayal, this Judas leap, by reading World of Wrestling magazine. And they used to do the top 10 rankings of each company's. And thought it was a bit strange that Mike Awesome was number one in ECW and also number 10 in WCW. <laughs> what? Oh, something's up there. <laughs> and yes, it's for someone who's old enough to have lived through the different stages of the this. First of all, it's I can't believe Mike Awesome would do such a thing. He left the ECW extremists behind for the filthy evil lucre of WCW. They're the bad guys. And seeing how he was just, the, the things people would say, the things like Spike Dudley would like, wow, shame on him. Uh, Joey Styles, as late as 06, was d- denouncing him, uh, sorry, 05, beg your pardon, 05 at the uh, One Night Stand pay-per-view, saying some very off-color comments because of he, him daring to leave. And now you look at it and go, wait, hang on. Heyman was suddenly... Uh, Oh, who was the lawyer for Nation Domination? Um, that would be Clarence Mason, sir. Yeah, he's Clarence Mason when it comes to getting people involved in his, his contract disputes and how WCW can't do this because of this paragraph A, section 47. But as soon as Awesome's like, uh, yeah, you didn't pay me. You violated the contract. Suddenly he's, you know, Stevie Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> he's super lawyer man when it helps him and when it's like no no, no you, you haven't paid me that violates the contract it's, it's not a void and yet somehow able to fleece WCW for some extra cash because I believe Mike Awesome uh, to get out of the contract or buy out of the inverted commas contract he either still had Owen to him or something or other he made a, a good six figure deal out this entire affair um, I believe so good for Mike Awesome love his work uh, the first few months of Mike Awesome with WCW it was a hell of a thing to watch he was flying around the ring he was basically ECW Mike Awesome and then you know Russo and Bischoff got their hands on him and turning him to the fat chick thriller slash awesome Mike Awesome slash that 70s guy Michael and so on and so forth but I'll have the fun of that later on but yeah it's it's very interesting seeing you know, stuff with the, without the, uh, what's it called? No, I mixed up two analogies there. I almost said it's like looking through uh, the Kool-Aid glasses. I'm like, no, you either drink the Kool-Aid or see things with nostalgia glasses, Matthew. Do not put on the Kool-Aid glasses. Is it maybe somebody going... I like that, We can salvage this analogy. We can salvage this analogy. Maybe somebody going clean off the Kool-Aid. Yeah. So yeah, Mike Orson stopped Kool-Aid drinking now and, the Kool-Aid. Yeah, suddenly Heyman no longer looks like the little guy off the Monopoly box. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he still does a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you see the thing where Heyman was very annoyed by the fact that AJ Styles called him a liar because of the whole Good Brothers thing, which I'm sure you know about. And if you don't, yeah. you can, of course, listen to Tom Campbell's lovely interview with a pair of them. And Heyman was just like, I can't believe someone would call me a liar. <laughs> he was probably very hurt. And people were like, what? <laughs> on, the, on the Paul Heyman DVD, he quite often says, yeah, I lie. <laughs> he, he, like, there, was a, there was a moment where he swore on his kid's life. And he was like, yeah, that was a lie. 
<laughs> he's just he's really bla he's really brazen about it on the DVD where he goes, "Hey, look, I just do what I need to do. If I need to lie, then I lie." <laughs> like fair enough. I mean, bad, but fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I like. Yeah, yeah. We will. Um, we'll stay with ECW because I just want to. This is a little thing I want to touch on regarding. Uh, oh, we're not getting ECW. paid then. No, <laughs> sadly not. Uh, the Mirror, the British tabloid newspaper, The Mirror, ran an article about ECW uh, when the video game went on sale over here, and it not it was doing good numbers on Bravo. So The Mirror did an article on wrestling, and I always love when a non-wrestling publication tries to talk about wrestling because they very rarely get it right so here's the uh, the quote from the mirror this is about ECW a barbaric form of wrestling in which competitors attack each other with machetes and razors has arrived in the UK <laughs> wrestling is a big hit in America and now a video game of the bloodthirsty sports in speech marks is going on sale here there are versions for Sony Playstation Nintendo 64 Sega Dreamcast and Game Boy raising the fear that youngsters will be exposed to scenes of savage violence not on the Game Boy version you won't mate ECW contestants aim to inflict so much pain on rivals they have to throw in the towel in addition to weapons associated with street gangs the wrestlers use cheese graters and barbed wire fight off and finish with opponents covered in blood with broken glass and nails sticking out of them organizers say the contents are legal because they exploit a loophole in the law which classifies wrestling as sports entertainment and free from strict regulations governing contact sports that's the mirror on extreme championship wrestling and hearing that description you don't need to be told by the way you can watch the tv show right now on bravo <laughs> it's almost right itself that little bit of course it's on bravo where else are you gonna get it? three hours of police camera action <laughs> on friday night Followed by topless darts. So, yeah, I love that description. I also like the fact that apparently Owen Hart is in the game with the amazing towel-throwing action. So <laughs> Yeah, as we heard in Survivor Series 1994 watch along. Excellent with that. I love it. When, I just love it when some outlets try and talk about wrestling and they just get it so wrong. Oh, that sounds accurate to me, mate. <laughs> uh, Machetes and knives. Okay, that's new, Jack. <laughs> and no one else. You can't do Legal that. loopholes. There's Heyman. Do you know what? I'll be to be fair though. If if there was blood and guts and and fights to the death of the Game Boy version, I'd be playing the Game Boy version more often. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, a few other bits and pieces to let you know about at the Ready to Rumble premiere, which was held this past week. Uh, they had a five-minute match for the uh, for the for the patrons, featuring Vampiro versus the Wall. From Dave Meltzer, it was a major letdown in that when both men came out, the description was that you could have heard a pin drop with the exception of a few Vampiro fans. There was virtually no recognition of either guy. Vampiro had claimed beforehand that he was going to do a moonsault off the roof, but he didn't. Wait, 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 wait. wait. I have a lot of questions here, Tom. What, what do you mean there was a match? There was Where? a match at the Ready to Rumble premiere. But like in the cinema? I presume in like either the holding area or outside the cinema. Oh. So they just put on like a, an exhibition match for, for as a as a quirky way of hosting the premiere. 
you just have a wrestling match for people coming in. You know, I mean, mate, we we went to a wedding where there was a wedding where there was a wrestling. Oh match. yeah, we did. We've uh, we've yeah, been to good. we've been to Stranger Things than that, but I just I can't. It's funny because you always feel for for better or for worse. But if WWF was to do something like this, it would be so much bigger and so much more grandiose, and people would be so much so much more in on it and up for it. I feel like when WCW puts on Vampiro versus the Wall, people are like, "Uh, I don't get it." Uh, and then don't worry though because this was before the film so even if they didn't enjoy the wrestling match they had a movie to look forward to <laughs> a movie I just want to say was not I, I loved I love the fact by the way that upon writing about this Melter has to say it wasn't a great match it's like as opposed it. to all those other great matches you see like at film premieres <laughs> Hack and Schmidt and Gotch, when they met outside the uh, premiere for Gone with the Wind, it's a little known fact. <laughs> what a boob. Anyway, what were you saying, Tom? <laughs> Frankly, my dear, I don't give a lariat. Um, <laughs> Oof. <laughs> That's rough, that one. Gosh. He's even put the timestamp for the match, so five minutes. It's a five minute match. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, he was there. Wait, 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 guys, guys, stop, stop brawling in the popcorn aisle. I need to get my stopwatch out. <laughs> uh, some backstage news of note uh, from the World Wrestling Federation: Hunter Hearst Helmsley and China have broken up. Uh, she confirmed this in a newspaper based in Dallas, saying that she isn't seeing anyone. Part of the reason may have been that she wants to live in California because there'd be an interest in her for acting parts, and she felt the need to be located close by and just bought. And she just bought an expensive home in New Hampshire. Now, at this point, maybe I get the vibe that Meltzer doesn't know, we don't know either, the real reason why they've broken up. And it will come out soon. Goody. Yes. <laughs> and, it, and you know is what? Is it something like... Oh, go on. In hindsight, it is blatantly obvious. <laughs> it's almost weird, though, because you don't really associate people having these relationships that you see on TV in real life. You know, it's like... Yeah, that's why there's all this snide gossip when actors hook up on set. It's like, hee-hee, but wrestlers like, that's not real. Oh, imitate life, Oh, this was? Yeah. Oh, Okay. Anyway, we'll get onto that later on. Me and Alex met. Ten thousand jokes. That's a true story. Me and Alex were working together. We were we were radio people, so that was art imitating life, all the (laughs) way around. I can't remember, but either way, it happens. You worked yourself into a shoot. I literally worked myself into a shoot with my love life. I literally worked myself into a shoot. (laughs) So that's the news. Over to you, my friend Matthew Gregg, Matthew Groggles from off of. uh, from off of Pornhub's most esteemed uh, wrestling-based uh, video, Botchamania. <laughs> that, that, that's right, but there are other porn sites available. <laughs> <laughs> Straight over the professional, the uh, puking Tetris shape himself, Mafu, <laughs> for the 13th of April, Year of the Lord 2000 episode of SmackDown. And we have a look at Raw to begin with. The Rock is shoved into a cage by Vince McMahon and told, you need to win this match to get a rematch with Triple H. And it's all very dramatic. And you're wondering, can he do it? Can he possibly do it? And they reveal that The Rock's opponents on Monday Night Raw are Bob Buchanan and Big Boss Man. That's right. Lads. That was the reaction to Vampiro coming out. <laughs> ready to rumble extravaganza. Uh, 
Bobby Cannon springboards off the ropes to do the impossible and lose clean to the rock. Triple H then gets in the ring and uses brass knuckles to bust open the rock. A bit redundant, if you ask me, when you've got a perfectly good grated cage there, but never mind. The McMahon family join in for a family beating until the APA surprisingly make the save. And that brings us straight to the witty woo witty wah <laughs> section of the podcast that everyone loves so much. And we're in Tampa, Florida, where life is cheap. And we start off immediately with a match. is between Rikishi Fatu and Eddie Guerrero for Eddie's European title. Eddie, of course, a champion after beating Jericho the Raw after WrestleMania. But you'd already know that if you'd heard last week's episode, which was, of course, the one after WrestleMania. So some of these notes sound like this is the one after WrestleMania. <laughs> but we'll just carry on and pretend and consider it to be deliberate. I'd like to point out it's good that there wasn't a, a rival company doing a WWE Thunder podcast and taking advantage of the fact that our podcast was pre-recorded this week and gave the results of this week's SmackDown. Uh, Eddie has China with him uh, because she couldn't resist his Latino heat. And Eddie gives China some roses and says he'd be a better European champion than Rikishi as, where's Samoa? It's nowhere near Europe. But! Oh. Objection! Oh, oh. There Sustained. Is, there is a littered history between Europe and Samoa. Would you like to hear it? I don't have a choice. Fire you away. Certainly don't. This, the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown Review presents Tom Campbell's history of European occupation of Samoa. <laughs> uh, Jacob Rogevin. I like the a- evil laugh, by the way. That really helped. <laughs> we start with Jacob Rogevin, who is a Dutchman, who was the first non-Polynesian to sight the Samoan Islands back in 1722. It, uh, the visit was followed by a visit by Louis-Antoine Le Bougainville, who is a French explorer, who named the Samoan Islands the Navigator Islands in 1768. Uh, Contact from there until the 1830s was very limited. Uh, It was mainly just English missionaries, whalers and traders who began arriving in Samoa around the 1830s. There were two Samoan civil wars, which was basically a triple threat to determine the control of Samoa between Great Britain, America and Germany. Germany had it for quite a while. They even rebranded it as German Samoa. Didn't sort of scan as well. Uh, The German Empire governed the western part of the Samoan archipelago from 1900 through until about 1914. It was Wilhelm Solf who was the colony's first governor. They had a very different uh, system in place until Wilhelm came in and went, I am the governor now. It was in 1908, a non-violent man by the name of Mao de Pulli uh, began a resistance movement against Germany. And as soon as his resistance rose, even though it was non-violent, Wilhelm himself went, all right, fine, you can have it. Uh, No, not really, only kidding. I'm going to banish the Maui leader, uh, Nawui Namaulu Mamoa, to the Saipan German Northern Marinera Islands, that's tomato sauce, the Northern Mariana Islands. So Wilhelm, at the sniff of Samoan revolution, banished one of the leaders of the tribe. 
The first month of World War One, on the 29th of August in 1914, troops of the New Zealand Expedition, Expeditionary Force landed unopposed in Upolu and seized control of German authorities. This was after a request from Great Britain for New Zealand to, quote, perform this great and urgent imperial service to take back Samoa. And that is a potted history of European control of Samoa. Uh, thank you. <laughs> wow. You're welcome, mate. That took less time to explain than Mike Awesome's jump to WCW. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just rattled through that, and there's probably a lot of inaccuracies. But either oh, way... Oh, wait, no, wait. Here's the Samoan lawyer to argue the toss. <laughs> Objection! <laughs> but John, no, that was very nicely do, done. Can you do oh, Rikishi Fatu in Phoenix, in Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney? <laughs> I was going to say, I have nothing to combat that. The only thing I've known about recently is the Italian-Ethiopian War of 87 to 89. Uh, Italy lost very, very badly. <laughs> to the point where people at home in Italy were rubbing their eyes going, What? You lost the Ethiopia? How did they lose? What, who are you going to invade... Who are you going to fail to invade against next? Gilberg. And, uh, <laughs> oh, I know how they, they lost. I know the... how they lost against Ethiopia. It was a it was a schoolboy roll-up, wasn't it? It was a it was a distraction and a schoolboy roll-up. It wasn't a real push. It was a it was a, a a quick win. It was a cheap win. Yeah, Italy got up after the three count. And was like what? No. And Italy went back and went. Hey, look, I put them over. What do you want me to do? And then they go. Well, you didn't really put them over. It wasn't. A, he didn't really make them look strong. We're we'll gonna have a rematch next week, and I'm gonna beat them decisively, and and just makes the whole last eight weeks really pointless. This is why people listen to SmackDown, wrestling <laughs> podcast for discussion. Don't worry, lads. There'll be a there'll be a quiz next week for the three people still listening. <laughs> so of course, Rikishi is very knowledgeable about both things we discussed, but only Tom's thing is relevant because he remembers the Samoan. European battle and so he's very ticked off by the fact that he would say this doesn't matter because Eddie distracts them by faking a dance move on China I forget the name of it but you know where you put your arm in the air and she does a spin uh, and he stops midway to attempt a cheap shot on Rikishi which is awesome but Rikishi sees it coming the referee gets bumped after one move after he checked his copy of the Encyclopedia Britannica to check that Tom Campbell was accurate <laughs> And while he's blinded, China breaks a glass vase of rose. I've actually typed up a glass vase of rose. What the <laughs> hell type of word is that? Just the she one breaks rose. a glass. <laughs> is the rose glass? Is she glass? I mean, she wrestled like she was made of glass. Uh, anyway, someone gets broken over Kishi's hard head. Referee counts while there's petals everywhere, but Kishi kicks out. One, two, three, because he's Samoan. Uh, China gives Rikishi a clothesline on the outside enabling him to do the Janetti. And Eddie gets dumped out the ring anyway, so that was a waste of a perfectly good sell. Great spots, but the pacing is all over the place so far. China gets stink-faced. She responds with a dick punch, a trademark move, and Eddie loses via DQ and retains the title. They did a lot of cool spots here, but it was all out of the place like my breakfast last night. <laughs> what did you think of it, Tom? Uh, this could be a really good match, and it probably will be down the road, but this was very overbooked. Oh, it was of the period to overbook this. You know, It's like buying a nice, a nice silk dress and just covering it in, in fake jewellery. 
it's it was just too it was just too much going on. I look forward to these guys having a slightly cleaner match and and consequently a much better match in the future. Well said. Backstage, Triple H, Steph, and Shane talk about going out and having fun. <laughs> right. We immediately segue to the Rock arriving via limo, which is a if you didn't know what year the show was, you definitely know by now watching that bit. Shane compliments Rock on his nice forehead, and they show what they mean by having fun by heading out to the ring for a 20-minute promo. <laughs> Shane happily reminds us what happened in the video summary eight minutes ago, and now he's happy to be Triple H's brother-in-law. Stephanie tries talking, but the crowd's chants for somebody called Slut are deafening. Christ. Classy I hope they bunch. sign that hot upcoming wrestler slut. <laughs> Getting a hell of a reaction the crowd. Lola, it only took a pint or two of the Rock's blood to bring the family together. That was a nice line. Triple H says some stuff, but the Rock shows up, bandaged, but ready for a fight. So Triple H says, you're on. That backlash to Washington, D.C. Until then, tonight, it's the Rock and APA versus Triple H and, um, well, Bull and Boss, I guess. I mean, the the nil won, so why not have a rematch? Rock gets the, it doesn't matter what you think, yada, yada, yada. But this was paid by numbers Triple H Rock because we've got several weeks left until the pay-per-view, so they can't shoot the loads just yet. <laughs> this will be the first time that The Rock has teamed with Farouk since the days of the Nation of Domination. That is a good point, and it's mm. worth saying that this is the day, we're recording this, the day after the day that some people refer to it as Ron Simmons Day. Ooh. The anniversary of him beating Vader for the title. Neither the nation nor him beating Vader for the title are referenced at all on this show. <laughs> Would be great if this happened to mention. By the way, uh, the WWE titles are vacant right now. Ron Simmons could hold it again. <laughs> but even just there was a bit where like, Rock was walking down the corridor and like the APA were walking behind him. I was like, somebody just reference it, please. Somebody just say it. And even The Rock was like, hey, The Rock, you better hope... This is a segment later on, but it's not it. Hey, The Rock better hmm. hope that you're on his side tonight. And Farouk's like, hey, we might be, we don't know. Talk about the nation! He used to be in the nation! Reference your history! Am I the only one here talking about relevant history? Reference your histoire! For goodness sake, gentlemen. Good times. <laughs> Al Snow and Steve Blackman go to a nursing home. But there's a twist. Al Snow signed up Steve Blackman as a comedian. Oh, it's funny because he's not funny. That is the Don't joke. worry, folks. The hilarity will continue later on in this here podcast. Thank God. But nothing's going to be as hilarious as Steve Blackman still wearing a WWF Attitude t-shirt because he doesn't have one of his own. That's always sad, isn't it? When you see a wrestler wearing like the pay-per-view shirt or an Attitude shirt, you're like, oh, you haven't got your own merch. That sucks. I like it when it's a guy like Tommy Dreamer who makes the fact that he always wears the company's t-shirts his brand <laughs> so he can just get by by taking t-shirts off the rack or the merchandise stand and go no I need this I need, I need this. five of them every time I show up <laughs> also if you've got a marker pen so I can write down five for a tenner <laughs> anyway here's the Hardys versus Benoit Malenko it's a bit of a changing gears the Radicals get a big pop 
They are both the light heavyweight champion and IC champion. Uh, lost of Fast and Furious. First hour of Nitro and 96 action from these two teams. The Hardys are getting better every week in terms of getting their tag team moves in. Alola doesn't believe Cole when he says Vince is having a day off. He doesn't have time off. And we know this to be true now, so I don't think that's true. I, I don't know why I typed that up. That's, wow, that's that's fascinating, that math. <laughs> well done, math. No, no detail left unturned here on the SmackDown <laughs> podcast. Triple H scratched his eye at one point. <laughs> I never heard him call that before. Uh, Jeff plays. It's just a phase Ricky Morton. See, that one I'm happy with. And takes some sweet double teams, but the crowd doesn't give a damn about modified Doomsday devices. Matt gets the mild tag, and it breaks down. Malenko does a tombstone slam. You know, where instead of the drop down to his knees, he, like, falls forward, which is also known as Mongo McMichael trying a tombstone. And Jeff lands a swant on a prone Dean for the win. And crowd very happy with the victory. Any thoughts there, Tom? Um, it dawned on me, actually, as they were heading to the ring, the Radicals, that... It's not been that bad a debut for them in hindsight since we are now a few months re removed from them arriving and three out of four of the Radicals are champions in the company. Which yeah. is pretty cool. And and later on, the number may go up. But uh, it was just nice to see Benoit and, uh, and Malenko with belts already. It's very nice. And uh, I'm, I thought it was a good match. I thought it was a strong tag match. So these guys all work really well together. Absolutely. It's just a weird time for these great matches because the crowd's like, I don't want a great match. Yeah. I want tits. <laughs> yeah, there is a demand for anything other than wrestling at wrestling shows at this particular era. Absolutely. But backstage, Triple H and Shane talk to Kurt Angle and give him the chance to win gold again. So tonight it's Kurt and the big show. Tonight for the tag titles. But Shane and Triple H both know something's up with Big Show. <laughs> Just nothing but punchlines tonight there, Tom. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Smack of the Night brought to you by Milk. Human <laughs> beings have only just evolved to digest it properly. Milk. 
and it's the APA showing up to help Crash Holly regain the hardcore title from Hardcore Holly on Raw after WrestleMania to undo the WrestleMania mess. Milk. You can get all the benefits that milk gives you from other food. Milk. <laughs> Have it anyway. Milk. <laughs> Why isn't the Nathan milk Jones just you screaming milk at people? <laughs> Nathan Jones took too many steroids and now he has to have his a, a gland removed because his titties are producing milk. Get Glenn across. Get Nathan Jones milk. <laughs> Crash Holly versus Perry Sutton next. Milk. What? No, don't be silly, Tom. You're being just... That's just, just as stupid. Why would it be brought to you by milk? It's, of course, brought to you by RC Pro Cola Caffeine <laughs> DX Extreme. Like milk, but black and fizzy. <laughs> and it's brought to us by Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. It certainly is. And uh, what re- a time for that to be coming back. Renamed in the UK, Tony Hawk's oh, Skateboarding. <laughs> because yes. Activision were concerned... <laughs> that we here in the UK and Europe would mistake it for an ice skating game. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? It's just like, oh, man, I was ready for that Torvald and Dean simulator. I've been waiting years for it. And now you're telling me that Tony Hawk's doing it? Oh, well, I still like ice skating. Wait a minute. There's no ice in this. <laughs> Said the man angry at the bar. There's no ice in this. Oh, I just love, I love that. The fact that they thought we're too stupid to, to look at a cover of a game, see a man holding a skateboard on a skating ramp, a man who is a known skater, but still go, oh, it says pro skater, must be ice skating. And not only that, it's, oh, that Tony Hawk. I'm a big fan of his comedy. Wait, what's he doing in this? <laughs> I didn't know he was into that ice skating. I've got this game wrong on multiple levels. He's got a helmet on and he's on an half pipe. He won't be able to do the Torval Dean on that, governor. <laughs> Hang on, I'll just drink me milk. <laughs> milk. I could just about <laughs> digest it now. Whenever I'm drinking it, all the people around me just start chanting the word milk over and over again until I have finished. <laughs> milk. George Best milk. drinks it. He was in an advert that time for it. <laughs> George Best stopped drinking alcohol for exactly three seconds to drink milk. <laughs> he did as well. That's the funny part. The oh. alcohol did nothing to him. It was the milk that finished him <laughs> off. It was the milk, Governor. It was the milk. <laughs> That's how we talk here in, in Blighty. <laughs> Oh, blimey. Oh, blimey. We're just going to put a U in colour, just to annoy you. <laughs> There's no U in colour, <laughs> and I'm not in you either, know what I mean? <laughs> That's a weird Tinder profile, mate. <laughs> I came up with that on the spot. Speaking of spots, Crash Holly tries to cut off Perry Sutton by tipping over his bin of weapons and upsetting the council. <laughs> I'm going to give the council a call. There's rabbits everywhere. Oh, no. My bacon tray and Singapore cane collection strewn all over the street like my shattered dreams. As I look down at the cookie sheet and I realise I will not publish a book by the time I'm 30. It's all right, I'll just play this new ice skating game that I've bought. Oh, it's Press- not ice skating! It doesn't even tell jokes or nothing. 
Something about Superman. <laughs> Crush Holly able to properly wrestle Perry Sutton. That's shocking. About as shocking as the commentary on this podcast. <laughs> Until he, he counters a Frankenstein into a powerbomb. Which, in my opinion, as I watch this show and try to type up as quickly as possible on on WordPad, I have typed that. I've, I've not typed up powerbomb. I have typed powerbomb. <laughs> he was my favourite wrestler in the 90s. I love Tony Hawk's. I'm going to pick Power Bob. My favourite skater in the ice skating regime. Oh, I love uh, Power Bob. <laughs> Sunset Bob. Flip is... Oh, I've got my real voice now. Sunset Flip is counting into a bin lid. I can't tell if these are comedy spots or not. Uh, Perry DBDs into a flapjacks. Crash Holly, which is a No Mercy 64 favourite. But Perry wins the match and then the title... So Taz runs out to win it to a big pop and they get revenge after last week's sneak attack. But then Crash Holly twats Taz, the street survivor, to regain it and then legs it. Perry and Taz then brawl again. And that was it. And it's nice that the, the hardcore title thing is still carrying on. It's still 24-7. And it's also nice that they get another feuds involved. But I feel a bit empty now and deflated after doing all those stupid jokes at the start <laughs> of it. So do you have anything to add there, Tom? Um... No, I thought Taz and Perry need a big blow-off match. Like, I like the idea of Taz and Perry Saturn just going wild with a really snug, no-holds-barred match. I think that would be something that the audience would stand up and take notice of. Because I think they're both capable of doing it. I think that I'm intrigued by that feud. I know it won't go anywhere. And I know that Taz has other things on his plate from next week. But um, I like the idea of them just having, like, this intense, hardcore match but it will never happen. Nah. But never mind that. <laughs> here's, speaking of Tony Hawk's comedian, here's Steve Blackman. Oh, Christ. <laughs> and the joke is, his material is bad, but Al loves it because he wrote it. The highlight is an old woman yelling, you stink, Blackman, but because she's old and American, she says it as, you stink, black man. <laughs> oh, no. No. It's the hideous racist oh, up front row. No. You never want to see that at a comedy gig. And from bad racism to good racism next, as Kurt Angle and the Big Show take on Edge and Christian for tag titles. But Kurt Angle is so, so happy. He hypes up Big Show, the former world champion. They can't not win the tag titles tonight, surely. Big Show, however, is dressed up as a Scotsman. As Big Show decided that he just wants to be himself and have fun. And he dressed up as the big pimp last week on SmackDown, which was so good it was the thumbnail. And so Big Show's now gone from being this uh, champion and destroyer of worlds to this comedy gig. But we're all having fun like him because we're not seeing him main event. And Big Show's Scottish accent is as convincing as Drew McIntyre's. <laughs> and then I put here bizarre Scottish, Irish, Russian accent by Big Show. <laughs> it. Yeah, and then Michael Cole in a clearly overdub moment has to go. King, look, he's Fat Bastard from Austin oh, Powers. Isn't that cool, guys? He's Fat I mean, Bastard from the Austin Powers. If they hadn't said that, even though he quotes Austin Powers, I never would have second thought because, number one, he looks nothing like him. He doesn't look or sound anything like him. He's just a fat Scottish bloke. It's like, oh, that's good enough. <laughs> And that, yeah, that in itself was fine. It didn't need to be any more than that. Right. 
Kurt Angle stops him from showing everybody what's under his kilt and he gets this thing going. Crowd's loving it, by the way. And show destroys both Edge and Christian until Kurt Angle gets jealous of all this offense and tags in while show is dancing. Angle then gets double teamed and has to fight his way over to show and he slaps him. <laughs> Big Show then brawls with Kurt Angle for the count out. Told a decent story, and I like Big Show being all jolly and nice and everything and having fun until he gets provoked, and then he's a badass again and starts slamming people. And it's a very good look for him, very good uh, uh, formula. And I'll permit the constant Austin Powers references because that's exactly what we were doing in the year of our Lord 2000. It was a very so common, it's uh, it's permitted. What every single person was doing. It was the the Monty Python of its day, the Anchorman, the whatever people quote now, Old Simpsons of its day. It was the but, Doja Cat songs on TikTok of its day. Wow, well done, Tom. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, but if that was supposed to be a fat bastard impression, then boo. <laughs> boo to that indeed. Any other thoughts there, Tom? Um, I just put. Fat bastard from Austin Powers. You really signposted it. I don't know whether I would have had Edge and Christian in this. I feel like they get uh, not buried as such, but I don't know. I, I would like to sit. I kind of get they want to give Angle gold, so I guess to do it is put them with the Big Show. The outcome of this is that we get some funny stuff with Angle and Big Show in the run up to Backlash. So for that reason, I'm all right with it. Yeah, I think it's something for the two. Doesn't uh, they get a match? They're not overshadowed, you know. And it's it gives their chemistry of oh, Big Show could have beaten them both if it wasn't for that pesky angle. Exactly. Anyway, Big Show, ah, uh, you mother. See, I've put BS to abbreviate backstage, but I have seen that just after that match, so I said <laughs> Big Show. Big Show Jericho sees two women from behind and asks them if they know where the Godfather is. They turn around, and those scantily dressed women aren't hoes. They're Stephanie and Tori. Oh, Uh-oh. no. Which this landmark moment means it's the very first Stephanie versus Jericho segment. Stephanie vows revenge as Jericho kind of apologises, kind of not. Oh, well. I'm sure that'll lead to nothing at all, Tom. <laughs> but never mind that. Castrol GTX presents the Raw Rebound. After 20 years, I still don't know what Castle GTX is. <laughs> and the angle is, the Dudleys eyeing up Trish Stratus, who distracts them long enough for Albert to dunk Bubba through a table. Castrol GTX, pretend it's milk for your car. It is milk for your car. The car's not designed to have it, but you're going to give it anyway. Um, the, but the car craves it. The car <laughs> craves the Castrol. But the, the car doesn't realise it's bad for it. Nathan Jones had to have an operation because he took so many steroids he started lactating. Castrol GTX. Um, the, Nathan Jones got the role in Mad Max Fury Road by filling up his car without any fuel. Castrol. <laughs> what, we, what we forget is, because we talk about these every week, and I like to applaud the WWF, and companies that have done this as well, who basically have sponsored a recap. And I think that's very good business sense, to be able to go, we're going to, you can pay us this much money to tell people what happened on the last show. Like, that's, and I'm a big fan of business sense like that. I'm proud of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of them. It's a good way of putting that. Look at this replay. <laughs> sponsored by Castrol GTA. It's not a very good clip, but we made 10 grand showing it again. Exactly. And this brings up the next match, which is Bubba versus Albert. 
big hoss match with Trish using all of her great big tracts of land to distract Bubba. <laughs> What's that from? Huge tracts of land. Is it League of Gentlemen? It's it is, Monty it? Python. Oh, it's Monty. Oh, it is Monty Python. Yes, because he's, yeah. he's talking about marrying daughter. He's got huge That's right. he goes, tracts of land. It was soon, lad. This will all be yours. Well, what the curtains? curtains. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to watch Python uh, this week. <laughs> good times. The crowd doesn't care about the match, but then again, they're not getting the constant cuts, blah, constant cuts to Trish Stratus at ringside. Easy for me to say. Bubba could have gets a clean win. Tess attacks Devon and brings in the table to, of course, set up a Nintendo 64. <laughs> but as Tess is setting up the Beware Bolivian is at hand code for Turok 2 because the game is hard and he needs all the weapons... Devon recovers and hits him with a chair so Bubba can splash Albert through a table. And woof, I think Bubba overshot this ever so slightly and face-planted himself. But he gets away with it because he's a bit crazy. <laughs> Any thoughts there, Tom, on the match or proper, test playing Turok 2? Proper yeeted off that bloody top rope and smashed his head onto the floor, onto the canvas. It was awful. Why... Right, T, T and A lose again. You lose again. They... This is the worst tag team, right? They debuted only recently. <laughs> They've barely got a win, if at all. And like, even with this, right, you could have had them lose and it would have been fine. You could have had them lose this because at the end of it, the Dudleys got their shine back anyway, quote unquote. And But they felt, no, they need to not only lose the match clean... But they need to get beaten up afterwards. All we care about is the is the brewing chemistry between Bubba and Trish. Every, everything else is just is just like noise around that. Yep. Pretty much that's yep. what it is. They just keep losing. You couldn't you couldn't give them a win. You couldn't give them a win. Poor things. Yeah, Test and Albert right now are the Mark Merrow to Trish's Sable. Oh, good call. That's very accurate. So I can't wait for her to powerbomb them both. <laughs> anyway, a backstage, or big show as the cool kids call it, Steph and Tori confront Jericho. He says he apologises as, from behind, they look the same as the hoes, even if their whips are a bit wider. She says, that's okay, Jericho. Everything's cool. Oh, just one more thing. Tonight, your match against X-Pac is now a handicap match. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I'm just saying, though, the way Tori is dressed here, it's like, like how dare you assume I'm a hoe? <laughs> like, <laughs> she uh -huh. is very scantily clad here. Uh, yes. Uh, we could. What? What have I, write, what have I typed here? I put, I've typed up Wade Boggs is here. He must be some celebrity who sat ringside. Yeah, Wade Boggs uh, is ringside. They, yeah, they, they cut Steve to him. Blackman They're very shirt. excited about seeing uh, Wade Boggs from off of the baseball. Right, I think I've put with a Steve Blackman shirt because there's that WF shirt around here which is like, no no weapons, no whatever, just fists. But it's not actually a Steve Blackman shirt. I think I got this wrong. No, he's travelled uh, back in time. Uh, he's he's a big fan of the revival. <laughs> <laughs> and he's travelled back in time to watch Smackdown from the year 2000. It has uh, American baseball third baseman Wade Boggs, formerly of the Boston Red Sox but, but and the Yankees. Atlanta Braves won the World Boggs Series with them in 96. Yeah. He played Boggs at ball. 
It's the aliens in space. I don't know what the hell a bogs is. Oh, I feel bad because if this is the podcast I was on with Justin, Justin would go, "Well, Wade Boggs is," and then oh, exactly, yeah, you know everything. Spiel. I feel like we've let him, we've let him down. Like when we were doing SummerSlam '94, and we're like, "Who's this bloke with Razor Ramon?" Well, he looks like an idiot. Actually, he's a really cool sportsman with a hell of an attitude. I mean, when he died, it was like he had this great ceremony because he did so much for the community. And I'm like, "Thanks, Justin. Thanks." <laughs> That's good. He's cool like that. I'd ring him now, but it's like 6 a.m. where he is, so he'll be he'll be out cold for the, for another 12 hours. Partly so. wants to ring up at six in the morning to say, "Hey, who's Wade Boggs?" Who's Wade Boggs? <laughs> Justin, who's Wade Boggs? If everyone who listens to this can at Justin and ask him who Wade Boggs is. At JRH Writing, who's Wade Boggs? Yeah. Thank who's you. Who's Wade Boggs? Who's, who's Wade, Wade Boggs? Boggs? Who's Wade Boggs? Milk, milk, milk. <laughs> <laughs> who's Wade Boggs? Hashtag milk. Yeah. Ask him who milk is afterwards. <laughs> ask him if he's got milk. <laughs> no, just let's do Let's stick to the one, one clear message, one clear instruction. Uh, Who's Wade Boggs? At JRH Writing, who's Wade Boggs? You love you it. <laughs> You're welcome, Justin. Love you, Justin. Uh, Steve Blackman reads Al Snow's, <laughs> Al Snow's jokes at this amazing segment, and it's... is <laughs> Someone says, you suck, and Blackman tries reading the response to bombing, and it's a your mama joke. The old woman says, my mum died in 67, you heartless bastard. <laughs> Do you think it's amusing? Blackman has enough and he gets the nunchucks ready. <laughs> that bit was Just that... like that cow that he hit all those weeks ago. <laughs> she isn't phased by this and we fade to black. Uh, that bit like made it for me. That bit made yeah. it for me with Blackman pulling out the nunchucks in old people's home. <laughs> Your mama, my mama died in 67. That made me, yeah, okay. And, oh, goody, more bad comedy. <laughs> Terry and Kat are feuding. Apparently, Kat got drugged at a beauty salon, and when she woke up, she looked weird. Oh. And by weird, I, of course, I mean not tanned or blonde. So by the standards of the time, that's a weird look for a WF diva. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is it bad here, Tom, that I didn't... I, I couldn't tell if this was Terry when she came down uh, for this match, or it was the cat dressed as Terry. Oh, she is wearing a ton of blemish, or oh, she's just had some work done. She just didn't look like Terry on the face at all. Well, I knew it was Terry off the bat, but now you've got me thinking whether or not I was uh, I was just going by just general shapes. Oh, <laughs> 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 not even like being that rude. Wasn't being like that. You're I was. There. You were, you poor vote. <laughs> anyway, they have uh, May Young and Moolah as teammates. Lola says, we're saying she's 77. If we told you her real age, you'd think it was her phone number. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> he does come out with some good ones in here. He's he got says, all his old jokes. I that, did, you know, I did like himself. the one where he said that when David killed Goliath, May Young called the cops. <laughs> yes, that was a good one, it's... And it's good, I mean, there's all these old jokes, but not as good as, wow, she's so old, I wouldn't hit on her. Anyway, uh, Kat and Terry forget the sunset flip counter sequence that Malenko Guerrero originated and nearly headbutt one another. I am shocked, shocked that they, this catches catch can match is not as good as you'd expect it to be. But I'm happy Young and Moolah go at it, as they're supposed to be funny. A pair of brutal monkey flips follow. 
and some more classic Lawler lines that Tom's already said. Cole asks, who's legal? And Lawler can barely squeak out, are you kidding? They haven't courted in years. <laughs> he can barely commentate, as he said. Did I mention I love the WWF? And after this, the shambles that could have been scored to the Dog the Clown's entrance music... There's some of the loudest pops all night seeing Young and Moolah attempting to go at it. I enjoyed this match for the wrong reasons. How, what do you think, Tom? It was... Uh, I thought this was a really long match, and then I timed it. It was about five minutes. But it felt like it went ten. <laughs> they're, just, they're just desperate to continue to push this nonsense, aren't they? They're just, they're, they will just continuously push the Moolah May Young thing. Um, it was fine. It was there. It felt longer than it was. Hey, it's killing. <laughs> it really yeah, it certainly is. It's killing something. Hmm. <laughs> but never mind that. Because up next, the boot of the week brought to you by Lugs. I love how excited we get around the adverts. <laughs> yeah. The adverts are better than the boot of the, the week. Clips. It's like milk for your legs. Boot Lugs. <laughs> These boots are made for milking. <laughs> China turning on Jericho. So maybe she was a sleeper agent? Meaning she put people to sleep. Lugs. That's the chainsaw boot thing that got going. Lugs. 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 Gotta prime it first. Jericho heads to the ring and says if he's gonna have to deal with this handicap match. He might as well get his money's worth and insult the hell out of Stephanie in the first chapter of a long book. Jericho's then able to fend off both members of DX, X-Park and Road Dog, the King of Rock, what the King of Rock who, and it takes Tory interfering and taking the walls for them to be able to get the win on Mighty Jericho. So Jericho is still defeated in a handicap match, but he looks very, very good. Any thoughts there, Tom? I thought, yeah, this was um, this was a, a fun little handicap match, I thought. I know you have issue with handicap matches that we've talked about on previous podcasts, but I thought this was fine. I thought this pushed Jericho over, continues his dispute with uh, anybody and everybody, makes him beloved as a babyface. I was fine with it. Yeah. Anyway, the thrilling conclusion of the Blackman comedian saga ends with Blackman... And Snow getting out of the place quickly after attacking the senior citizen because she annoyed him. And they scarper quickly as you can see the police sirens coming. And that's the payoff. <laughs> the Great. End. All the good stuff happened off camera. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, got that fixed Blackman's charisma issues. And Stephanie heads to the ring now for an in-ring segment with... Wait, who the hell is that? That is Muffy. Oh. Well, before Stephanie can formally introduce her, she insults the crowd for a bit, calls them fat, including their kids. Also, did she mention she's richer than them? And here's her personal trainer, Muffy. Uh, she does three seconds of some exercise to get the crowd to be less fat, and then we move on. I know we like to end these shows with what you forgot and what you remembered. I'll just skip ahead. I have no recollection of Muffy whatsoever. You don't remember Muffy? No recollection of the big Muff. Who was she, Tom? Ah, <laughs> well, uh, meet Karen Moa, who is a long-time performer 
on uh, stunt shows. <clears throat> Karen Moa worked on uh, worked for Universal Studios in Hollywood. Uh, she was involved in loads of film and TV products. She was both an actress and a stunt performer and coordinator in things like Baywatch, America's Most Wanted, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was in Ally McBeal and she was in Charmed. She's done loads of stuff. And she was, uh, as I say, a stunt person on stage. She was Helen in the Universal Studios Hollywood stunt show Waterworld, a live SeaWorld spectacular. And she played Red Sonja in Conan the Barbarian on stage. She's got quite the resume. She has wrestled as well. Uh, She used to uh, compete uh, for Ultimate Pro Wrestling as Carnage. Spelt C-A-R-N-I-D-G-E, if you wish to look her up. Uh, Since retiring from pro wrestling, she continues to work as a stunt double. uh, She worked recently as a stunt double for the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and she was a stunt coordinator for the video games as well so i managed she did a bit of mocap with that too and she's been in elizabeth town she plays a, a, a brink and you'll miss a role in elizabeth town fun fact so there you go that is muffy that was awesome <laughs> stunned uh, silence does... there was i don't know which has stunned you more the the biography of muffy or the history lesson on european uh pop, on european control of samoa well, it's great that you gave this lovely explanation. Um, she does nothing here. <laughs> I can't remember if she shows up again. We'll have to see what happens on next week's SmackDown. Well, Just for Muffy. She... Not, never mind The Rock or Triple H or the big show as Top Shagger from Austin Powers <laughs> 3 or whatever the hell he is. It's all about the Muff. Well, she doesn't do loads. I can tell you for a fact that she is on an episode of Sunday Night Heat this week. Oh, no. Where she comes out uh, with her Britney Spears-style microphone, as she did here, and she's trying to motivate the crowd uh, to get them fit, and uh, she's just running them down, a la Stephanie McMahon. Refers to herself as Muffy the Fat Slayer, which I think is brilliant. <laughs> I I like some of the stuff that Muffy did. She didn't do enough of it, though, sadly. <laughs> I eagerly anticipate Muffy doing little next week and Tom doing a lot. <laughs> and... I always thought they were. I remember the Muffy segment, but I don't remember it being this short and this pointless. I.e., she introduces Muffy and then quick cut backstage. So we'll we'll see where this goes. Yeah, short and to the pointless. I like it. <laughs> uh, backstage, the APA talk to the Rock backstage, and Rock asks them if they're man enough to tell him if Triple H paid them off. APA said they're man enough to not tell him. So we'll have to trust them. I like that. Like they're both getting their characters out of the way. The APA have that aura about them, even now, where they're like, we don't care if you're the rock. I mean, we care if we're going to rescue you in a handicap match because we're clearly losing, but we're not going to tell you if we're being paid off or not. It's being money. Uh, meanwhile, Triple H and Bossman head to the ring while a big sign in the background says, Triple H is indeed the gay. So... It's an amazing six-man tag match. Bull does a kip-up clothesline. Crowd does nothing. I swear, only me and you and some people on Twitter appreciate Bull Buchanan's athleticism. Shock him. <laughs> it's, a, it's lost on so many. I think Bull was great here. <laughs> yeah, and after that, Bradshaw falls off the top rope with a shoulder block, and they go crazy. It's just a damn popularity contest for these it really people, is. This is Eurovision all over again. Exactly. Anyway, the Rock and Triple H keep away from one another, but that doesn't matter. Earl Hebner responds to a shove, 
still that ongoing feud between him and the McMahon-Helmsley era, and goes crazy and pushes Shane McMahon off the apron. And then everyone carries on as if nothing happened. Bit odd there, to be honest with you. You think that'll be the, the lead-in for the rest of the, the match to just go off the rails, but everyone just carries on. We have Triple H being left alone with the APA and The Rock. DX run in, but APA deals with them. Shane runs in to stop the people's elbow on Triple H, so Rock drags him out and puts him through the announcer's table with the rock bottom to end the show on a happy note. No finish, but who cares? Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. Milk, milk. <laughs> I think the Hebner stuff will get picked up on Monday Night Raw. But I enjoyed the main event. I like the six-man tag. It's nice to see... I always, I always get a kick out of seeing guys who wouldn't normally mingle. Mingling, i.e. Bull Buchanan and The Rock. And, and and people like that Farouk and Triple H getting amongst it. I like seeing stuff like that. I thought this was a good main event. No finish, but that's pretty standard for this time. Shane McMahon nearly braining himself on the barricade trying to run away from the rock before getting the rock hmm. bottom through the table was a particular highlight as well. Yeah, it was good fun. Good good knockabout nonsense in the in the main event. Yeah. That's what we like to see on SmackDown. But we come to the end another lovely episode of Smackdown, stupid jokes, and fascinating history about Samoa versus Europe. <laughs> Tom, what was something you remembered from this week's episode? I, Looking back, I remembered the Steve Blackman comedy stuff. I don't remember it being particularly funny until he pulled the nunchucks out, and I found that hilarious as a young kid. Still find it, find it quite funny now, I won't lie. Um, what did you remember? I remembered. Good God! Clearly, you remember. All I've a got lot. in my head is milk. Um, <laughs> Are you all right, mate? If you if you fallen off? Oh, I remember the the fat bastard impression. <laughs> I was going to say Scottish Big Show seems to be an obvious one. Yeah, the big Scott. I remembered this because my mum at the time we were living with her was very strict on what we could watch. So. There was no way in hell we were going to be able to watch a film by ourselves with the tagline, the spy who shagged me. <laughs> so it was one of these things where everybody else in the school was able to watch it. So we started to pretend. And luckily for us, everyone was doing the catchphrases over and over again. So it's like someone goes, I'm dead sexy. You're like, oh, that's that Austin Powers chap. That's right. I know who that is. So it was that weird memory of trying to blag about stuff that has uh, served me well through life, I've got to admit. Um, so thank you, Big Show, and your awful Scottish impression. And by the way, Scottish people love it, by the way. If you go up to them and do your best Scottish impression. Oh, they love it. Same way Geordies love it when you go up to them and go, Why, I'm from Newcastle. They love that shit. They really do. They, they, they do. Thanks for swearing, Tom. They certainly do. <laughs> See, you do, one, you do one Geordie impression, you're cursing and effing and you're blind. Like effing and jeffing. Yeah. And what was something you forgot? I totally forgot that we had a... I, I tell you what I forgot that it was nice to watch again. It was the tag match between Benoit and Malenko and the Hardy Boys. That was match of the night for me. As much as I like the six-man in the main, I love the tag match. I like like Benoit and Malenko work horses, horses, and uh, the Hardys are well established by this point. We've seen them rise through the ranks on this here podcast, and they are well established now. And I thought this was a solid match. What did you forget? It was Muffy, Muffy. wasn't it? <laughs> I was going to say it was Muffy. No love for Muffy. 
No, no love for the muff. <laughs> it's fun to say, though, I've got to admit. It is a fun word to say, as is we have come to the end of the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review. And if you have food poisoning, that is also a fun thing to hear. So we will be back next week. Matthew, please have like some St. Andrew salts and have a little sleep. Who? Andrew Saltz. Does he listen to the podcast? <laughs> he does indeed. He might be sending a letter into the Cultaholic podcast this week. Oh, we're together on that this week, aren't we? Yay! Yay! Get in! Cultaholic Classic, Sma- Cultaholic Classic Smackdown Review unites on the official Cultaholic Wrestling Podcast because Jack and Ross are away. I will be represented by a mop with a face drawn on it. <laughs> going to be a hell of a listen until then he is at matthew greg i am at tom campbell on twitter together we are at cultaholic on twitter we will see you next week (gasps) slide into my dms for information about the european takeover of samoa love you bye leave me alone (laughs) Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 